your stomach do that bad with dairy? I got some sort of digestive issue. I, I don't want to look into it, I'm afraid. Huh. <gasps> All right, welcome to this. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Welcome. <laughs> Come on now. Are you good? What did you want to say, Michael? Nothing. Welcome to the Center of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Yep. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. This podcast is, as always, brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club. Featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus razor, choose from three different subscription frequencies, and you can cancel any time. Grab the starter kit today and use discount code BROWNS to receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. Visit Barbasol.com to order today. Shave Barbasol. It's the way to go. Michael does it sometimes. Honestly, we all have beards, but we trim up our necks with them and uh, the top of our cheeks because, you know. And my kids, like, Barbasol has been so nice. They've sent us all this shaving cream. I've got it, like, oozing out of the closet. Oh, and those things last forever. And they last forever. So I use it almost more often to, like, put shaving cream on the wall when my kids take a bath or take a shower, and they just Just play with it. Yep. (laughs) It has that use, too. It works well. (laughs) Family friendly. (laughs) 18-something. So speaking of family, this is a family podcast. We are three brothers. We uh, do this podcast together um, every single Monday during the season, and then we do it every other Monday during the off-season. But it's called Sin of Our Fathers because um, our grandfather was a Browns fan, and he gave that Browns fandom to our dad, and our dad gave it to us. We didn't really have a choice in the matter. When we were young, it was slathered all over the walls, Browns posters, Brown sheets, browns comforters. Um, so it's really, they're the reason we've suffered through all this misery for years and years and years. So every once in a while on the podcast, we like to give our grandfather a call and hear what he thinks about the recent Browns news. Uh, during the offseason, he's not as keen to keeping up with all the Browns news. So uh, we got a chance to call him earlier this evening, and it was a pretty enjoyable conversation. So here's that. Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. Hello, Matthew. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? <laughs> well, we're getting we're thawing out. It's a little bit warmer now. Oh, you've been complaining about the cold in Florida? This is Michael. Sorry, I'm here too. <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're just hanging out. Well, I, I, don't, I don't see any, any brown news. Oh. That's different. I haven't been seeing anything in the paper, so I don't think they did anything. Yeah, it's been quiet today. Um, they did a few things at the end of last week, but nothing really today. What did you think about that trade we pulled off? Oh, well, things are looking up. <laughs> so you're okay with that? Yeah. I'm always okay when things are are uh, dealt for the best because uh, – if they if they made some stupid trades and, and hurt themselves, that'd be something else. But uh, you know, they're, they're, I I think that uh, uh, they they got their ducks in a row. They're doing they're doing pretty good. I think they're gonna. I think it's gonna be between them and Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, for the Super Bowl, or to go to the from the uh, AFC I mean, to I go mean, to the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean this. Being, well, not not the Super Bowl, but I mean being two of the top teams. You know, I think they really will be. 
I, I don't think the Browns are ready to go to Super Bowl. I don't think. I love but, your optimism, uh, Grandpa. Huh? I love your optimism. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they've had they've, they've come off a couple of bad years, and you, and they've had uh, three quarters of a good year this past time. You know, so I mean, how much can you write into that? You know, I, I mean, I, I'd like to be very optimistic and say, "Gee, boy, I think they're 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 uh, really." Hell bent for election here and going to tear things up. I, I hope they do. I, I just, you know, if I, you don't expect too much, you'll be disappointed. So I try not to expect too, too much. So, <laughs> Grandpa, did you see, though, that the Pittsburgh Steelers traded away that Antonio Brown? Yes, I did. What do you think about that? Well, they went to the Raiders, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Gruden. I think he hurt himself. He traded away. He traded away so damn many good players. I think he's got to he's got to do something to make up for it. So I think he's trying to make up for some of the some of the bad moves they made. But yeah, that's a that's a good deal. I think they can they can certainly afford him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what he they got dumped. It costs too much. <laughs> yeah, I think the Steelers might be fighting with the Bengals for the for the bottom of the AFC North. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Ravens might not be that good either. They lost maybe three of their best defensive players. So, Grandpa, you mentioned that you've been just super busy. What in the world is keeping you so busy? Oh, uh, well, everything around here. There's always something, something to do. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to play golf twice a, twice a week, and that's not really working out very well. My, my game is about <laughs> as bad as it's ever been. Uh, Nancy You're probably on the wrong play. side of your golf career. Uh, no, I know. I'm telling you, I, I never was a great golfer, but I used to play a hell of a lot better than I do now. I don't know where the hell the days go. I, here, this is daylight saving time. Here, all of a sudden, I get up at about nice about uh, eight thirty already. By the time you get up at nine o'clock, by the time you get done, pretty soon it's noon. I, I mean, the days they're just going so fast since the daylight saving time is coming. I don't know. You know, uh, Florida's promoting the daylight saving time for all, all year. You know, I I think they're going to try and get a lot of the country to go along with it. Uh, I hope I hope they do because I think it's a good thing. If if any if any state should have had daylight saving time, it should be Florida because it's the sunshine state. All they do is promote sunshine, sun and fun, and in, in the and. And if you don't have the sun, and the sun, you know, all of a sudden you're getting, you're losing a lot of people. They could, they could. This would be a great big boon for this state if they had daylight saving time all year round. Well, Grandpa, um, I hope you can find time to fit everything into your day. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying, but you know, uh, you, you know, I got. Uh, I got a calendar. I got so I got doctor appointments. I got this. I got this damn bursitis in my right hip, and it hurts like hell. And during the day, it's not too bad. But at night, I've, I've, I've looked at the internet, and this is a, a the bursa sack on the hip. And uh, there's you can either put up with the pain, or you can have the have the doctor drain it uh, with a syringe, or else or else cut it out. You know. So I'm going to see what he says about it. At night, it's just about excruciating pain. I I turn and I say ah, and I yell because I, I turn over on it or turn it a certain way, and it's 
Uh, Nancy gets a pissed off at me because I wake her up every time I turn around. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, not good. You should probably get something get something done about that. Yeah, I gotta do something about this. All right, Grandpa, it's good catching right, up with guys. you. Okay, well, thanks for calling, guys. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Go Send, Browns. Go Browns. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so bye bye. So I hope Grandpa gets that sack taken care of. <laughs> He's got some issues. I hope his sack gets drained. <laughs> Grandpa. Grandpa. In a different way than Michael's sack is about to be drained. Oh. <laughs> I don't think draining is what happens. It's a little procedure, but it's a different story. You can either, story. either drain it or just cut that thing right off. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. I One love fell swoop. Okay, so for the longest time, I considered our grandfather to be like an anomaly amongst grandfathers in that he was like so put together and like never had any issues and was just kind of like drank his beer and, you know, like dealt with his crap and whatever. Grandpa's fully embraced the old mandom. Like he just complains about everything constantly now. Well, I mean, the man's 85 or whatever it is. Something like that. He's over 80. For what? sure. 82, 83, I don't know. I love picturing him like complaining about his hip, but then also going and playing golf and also doing karate and yeah. then just bitching about his hip the whole time. It gives him license to complain about more things. Oh, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah, no, for the longest time, Grandpa was an anomaly to me too because he would drink like 20 beers in a sitting just sitting there on his front porch, just put down 20 beers. And I still never... I. I don't think he has a drinking problem. Like, <laughs> he could stop anytime he wants. And he did, actually. I don't think he drinks very much anymore. Yeah, no, he has scaled back on that significantly for whatever reason. Yeah. Honestly, Nancy's I had a really... I think he's just tired of it. Like, yeah. it's just... Yeah, it yeah, was... Don't want to. It was there for a season. It wasn't a necessity. It wasn't a crutch that he leaned on. He just wanted beer, and he wanted 20 of them. I love that man. Um, anyway, so... Brown's news recently. We decided to come in. We did a podcast last week, but we decided to do another one um, because it's the first day of free agency, and we expected a whole lot to be happening today. Well, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. So not a lot happened today, but um, as Michael mentioned on the Twitter, it could be a positive sign for the Browns because most of the time on Monday, people tend to overspend on contracts that they've been negotiating out and trying to figure out who exactly they want and doing whatever they can to get that one person. But one thing that did happen in Brown's news, not free agency related, but we traded for Olivier Vernon. Um, we shipped off Kevin Zeitler to New York and got Olivier Vernon in return, the defensive end edge rusher from the Giants. Um, and what, what do you think about that trade, Michael? Are you excited about that? It's obviously a tragedy to lose such a good player in Zeitler, but... I don't know it's a tragedy. So uh, there's a lot of different thoughts I have on this. Overall, I'm quite pleased with the trade in general. I think it's just a better allocation of our assets and what our strengths are. I mean, we were sitting on a number 33 overall pick that's a guard that didn't have a clear spot and a path to the field. And so now by trading Zeitler, you go ahead and put Austin Corbett in that starting right guard spot and you get a top-tier pass rusher in the NFL. If you look at PFF's like pass rush rankings, he was neck-and-neck neck with Miles Garrett in his grading last year. 
which, as I said on Instagram, I would take another Miles Garrett any day of the week. For and so, whatever press. For whatever, yeah, no, exactly. And he's costing us a lot. There's no doubt about it that Olivier Vernon is an expensive player that we are taking on. But the thing I love about this trade is that he has exactly two years left on his deal. He has two years left, and so those are two more years that we have Miles Garrett under his rookie contract. At the end of those two years of Olivier Vernon's deal, we can opt in for the fifth year for Miles Garrett. And we're just in a, it's a great situation where that is probably a hinge point where realistically you'd probably just want to re-sign Miles Garrett rather than just take the fifth year. Oftentimes for a player of his caliber, you want to show good faith and sign him a year early where the value is not quite as high anyways. And so you're going to probably go ahead and lock him up around that time and we could let Vernon walk and then hopefully have a younger player in to be on the other side. I just like the balance that it gives us for roster construction going forward. I think it that's a hidden positive in this particular deal. So we're paying Vernon a lot of money, but I don't feel like his contract is that onerous. He, he signed, uh, I think it was a four-year deal with the Giants initially. Um, all of the guaranteed money is, is off of the deal. Well, it's all the Giants to pay. So, like, there's right. still there was still guaranteed money on the Zeitler deal that, that we owe to him. Up. Sure, right. But so it's fifteen and a half million dollars. I think it's the cap hit to us um, this year for Vernon. Um, it's that this year. It's that next year. I don't think that that's that crazy for a top defensive end. I mean, you see Brandon Flower or Trey Flowers going in free agency to the Giant or the Lions. What is, what is he getting? It's over that. It's, it's over six, it's like 16 to 17 range. I don't think that the exact figures have been released yet. I mean, yeah, for a top 15 pass rusher who's going to be our second guy. It's kind of nuts. Like like I think it's a I think it's actually a good value deal especially when I mean we've talked about this on the podcast before that sometimes it's better instead of looking at these deals individually, look them at, at them by position group. Look at what we're spending on pass rushers as a position group. We have we have a nasty, like arsenal of pass rushers, and we're not spending with two that of much with on two them. of them on rookie deals, yeah. and then the Vernon deal. You look at what Kansas City had last year with D Ford and Justin Houston coming off the edge, and uh, they might not have either of them going into next season. Yep. And no, I'm I'm really happy with it. I I don't think it could. I, I think the whole structure of it makes a ton of sense. The the one thing that I was worried about was we've talked a bunch, and most of them have been tagged, but there's a lot of edge rushers that are available, right? So Trey Flowers just got signed, but Ezekiel Ansa is also available. Preston Smith is also available. Like, there are guys you could sign on the free agency market. So it kind of makes me wonder, like, did we get a guy that we have to overpay and give up a valuable asset in a solid player in Kevin Zeitler? Like, it, was that too much? Should we have not done a trade? Like, that was a legitimate question I asked and in the midst of this. Should we have signed, like, Justin Houston? Because you can example. sign Justin Houston, right? Like, on the, on the market, probably for less than what you're you going to have to pay Vernon for the next two years. Do you think less, though? Because the free agency market has always shown that it's always increasing and that's why the salary cap continually increases and to get somebody that is on a previously thought of as a really bad deal but could potentially be depending on where these edge guys go could turn out to be a decent deal for two years you're not going to sign someone in free agency top guy for two years 
probably. That's exactly where my head goes. So I think that the reason this makes sense is Vernon is at least as good, if not better, than any of those guys you could sign, and you get him for those two years, and the structure of that is what makes sense, which is what makes the reports that came out today even a little confusing to me that the Browns are in talks with Olivier Vernon about restructuring his contract. Like, do you have any initial thoughts on like what that, why we would do that or exactly what that would look like? Well, I'm so interested because he's not going to, maybe he'll sign up for a pay cut because all of his guaranteed money's off, but I can't imagine he would extend for an average annual salary less than the 15.5 that he's getting, there's no reason to. Like, he could play out this contract, hit the free agency market again at 30, and you would think You wouldn't in. think he would want – would he add more years to it, or would he want to keep it at would, two? Would, this well, is like, would we add more years well, to it? What I, I wouldn't want to. What I wonder is if, if you don't, like, add two years to it, add $30 million in guaranteed money, but it'd be the first two years or something. Well, there's only two years in it. Well, right. But you, you tack on two, two additional years, oh, right? Oh, oh, oh. That okay. essentially become team options because there's no guaranteed money tied to them. You, you guarantee all or some of these next two years. So you get more control long-term. If we're in a cap situation and he's playing well enough where you want to keep him, for the, those two years, and at that point, fifteen million dollars if he's playing like a top D end, yeah, won't would be a good deal. Be nearly as onerous. That's the only thing I can think because I I can't imagine he's going to bring his cap hit down in the short term. I mean, maybe we will, but well, we don't need the cap the hit salary. in the short term. Yeah. So I think what they might be trying to do is take a greater portion of the salary on the upfront, which would be guaranteed money that you're he's getting paid out now. Because basically what the Browns have is a limited amount of, like, if you actually look at the salary cap and where our, like, current salaries are for next season, most of that gap, like the $68 million, Mm -hmm. I think is what we're at, is mostly rollover amount. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just use that as kind of like a slush fund that you can use as, like, extra incentive on the front end, that's the nice... Front-loading contracts, yeah. To front-load something, like, that's the better way to go about it so that it's sustainable for you to keep your roster as it is over time. If you think that he's going to be good for an extended number of years. And so if they're trying to... you're not going to get screwed by paying a guy $22 million this year and then having to move on from him. Well, age-wise, you think he would be from where he's sitting right now. You'd think he'd have a few more years in him. And he has traditionally been a very hard player. He has played hard everywhere that he's gone. And he was, like, just about the only pass rusher in New in- or in New York. JPP. That, well, once, since JPP left. Yeah, but also – but Miles Garrett's, like, light years better than JPP. And – he was so much better in Miami when he was opposite Cameron Wake. And the the tackles that he was going – I know a lot of people have mentioned this. The tackles that he was going against in that NFC East were nasty. Yeah, I like mean, Tyron Smith in Dallas. Trent Williams, Jason in Peters. Washington, Jason Pe- – yeah. Those are all really, really good, point. really good tackles. He's going to be going against Bobby Hart, potentially <laughs> Zach Banner, and, 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 and Orlando Brown, I think, in Baltimore. 
Is Zach Banner who the Steelers are going to try out on the right hand side? Right tackle. Well, they just traded Gilbert. Yeah, I knew they gave up. So on he's him. the That's next weird. guy on the roster. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to try out Zach Banner. Um, I hope they do. Here's here's the way. I hope they do. Here's the way that I'm viewing this trade, and the reason why I like it is basically we're. A guard is obviously an important position, especially for a young quarterback. You don't want to have pressure up the middle. Um, but, especially a short one like Baker. But we are swapping a guard for a very good top-level edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett, which is a much more important position, in my opinion, than guard. The people that go in the draft early on, they're edge rushers position to, find. To, to acquire and have a really good player. Um, and we're essentially doing it. We were paying Zeitler about $10 million a year. We're paying um, Vernon fifteen point five a year. So essentially for a difference of $5.5 million. Oh, it's not got, five. It was like 12. We got... Zeitler was at 12. It's only like $3 million. Okay, different. so it's only, it's only like $3 million. We got We swapped a guard, a top-level guard for a top-level edge rusher at a much more important position, and we're not making a huge difference in the amount of money we're spending minimal minimal and i think top to top to bottom that's a great deal because that's exactly what we needed and i think it was a good deal for the giants that was what they needed their offensive line situation is absolutely terrible it's one of those rare situations where i win i think it was a win-win that giants defense is going to be terrible what who who do the giants have on defense anymore yeah landon collins is gone now vernon's gone and their who, who and is, their offense isn't good either. That's who the t- is their best no, quite, player? On quite defense. literally, I don't think I can name. Janoris Jenkins is still there as a corner, but I mean, I'm I'm not like excited that he's my best player on defense. Yeah, that's a that's a rough situation in in New York. Oof. Um, so one last point on the um, trade: getting rid of Zeitler might, as solid as he was, and particularly in pass protection. He is not known to be a very mobile guard. And so in run situations, like he is not a guy that you have the ability to like really pull and get out in front and do a lot of like interesting things with. Austin Corbett has much better feet and can do some of those things. And definitely Joel Batonio can do all of those things. And so I think even though out of the gate, I don't think anyone should expect Austin Corbett to match Kevin Zeitler's overall production as a guard. I do think Austin Corbett it being in that spot is going to afford us some more flexibility in the type of formations and the type of runs that we can actually execute next season. And I'm excited about the flexibility that that's going to provide. Cause I really feel like Zeitler was the one he, he's, it's kind of like a, like a stationary quarterback versus like a mobile quarterback. Like he's like the stationary Offensive guard. guard. Yep. If you can't pull him outside, it extremely limits what you can do. This in the also, game. this trade also wasn't done in a vacuum. Like I think the fact that we have Batonio and Treader, like locked in 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 the center of that offensive line, like influences your abil- your willingness to to say, you know what, we've got we've got a young guy that we need to find a position for. We think he can play right guard. We can take our current right guard, use him as an asset to go get something else. Like, like yep. it all. If if we were shaky at any of those other positions, like I don't think yeah. you would do. You wouldn't move on from a guy like Zeitler. But we were kind of 
trading from a position of strength to shore <clears throat> up a position of weakness, and I think we came out on top. Yeah. I will also say that if Corbett can step into this right guard position and play at a the level that we're all hoping, that first John Dorsey class is going to be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. To I get was... Baker, Ward, Chubb, and Corbett, Corbett, then Chubb, all as the first four picks, and the first four and picks th- that John Dorsey did as our general manager. And then Chad Thomas. <laughs> We do, what don't, don't besmudge. I can't wait for what the, I'm trying to say. The book that comes out 20 years from now that talks about like what happened with that Chad Thomas pick. I feel like the player Written they wanted by, got picked right before them, and they like had to scramble and were like, "Oh shoot!" Written by Chad Thomas. <laughs> I am the fifth player picked by the Cleveland Browns in 2018. No, <laughs> but I was I was thinking about this like the rebirth of the Cleveland Browns. Um, and our ascension that we are seemingly in the middle of right now. That hasn't actually happened yet. That we're but assuming we're, we're in the middle of. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> that everyone is speaking. We, we haven't had a winning with. season yet. <laughs> no, but we were. I'm, no, I'm with you 100%. Hell, we were 7-8-1 <laughs> and one last year. Like that, to me, that is an ascension from where we've been. From 0-16 in this. Yeah. Yes. No. And 1-15 the year before. That, but it's, it's an ascension. We had three picks in two years in the top five of the NFL draft. And it looks like we crushed it on all of them between Miles Garrett, Baker, and then Denzel Ward. There is no qualms to be had about no whiffs on those. And and that is huge to go three for three on that. That is franchise changing. Yep. Absolutely. you, You whiff on any one of those and it is a severe detriment to your team. Yeah. I can't believe what the Raiders are doing where they have all three first-round picks this year and they got Antonio Brown and they didn't give up one of them. They didn't even give up a second-round pick. Well, the, the Steelers are doing things that are arguably worse than anything the Browns have done in Steelers the last are, 15 years. Steelers are It's, like, hilarious. It's hilarious. I mean, third and fifth-round pick for a top – Two receiver in the NFL. And you're left with a bill of over $20 million of dead cat. My question is, would they have been better off just like getting rid of Ben Roethlisberger? Ben Roethlisberger is the problem. Like like if that, if that is the problem, if it's like it's Antonio Brown or Ben Roethlisberger, like Antonio Brown's what? 30, 30, 31, something like that. Like, Jerry Brown's 30. He's, he's got a few years left, not a bunch. Roethlisberger is, what, 38? Like, got a few years like left. 37, yeah. Not much. Did they choose the right person? No, I... Well, depending on the cap, it, like, the cap is a real consideration. But they don't have another option at quarterback, and quarterback is... Josh, but what Josh is... Josh Dobbs. But what Nick is... Foles, Blake Bortles. What is Ben Roethlisberger going to do with only Juju? Like he only is he going to be Ben Roethlisberger without no, those? He, won't like, be, no, he just I'm had so many all. weapons around him consistently. That was why he was so threatening. No, I there's I'm no not, Le'Veon Bell to catch the ball out of the backfield. There's no Antonio Brown to bail him out on some of those plays yeah, it's that absurd. they killed How us. How many times have they beaten us? And it's just Antonio Brown alone. Yep. It's a thing to be rejoiced that Antonio Brown is in the AFC North anymore. It's one of the best things that's happened to the Browns in a long time. 
since we draft Baker Mayfield. And I love that they didn't get good assets back. They got nothing. Oh, right. They got yeah. squat. Like, like, the Steelers aren't going to be very good this year. They, and, how could they be? And this is going to, like, ripple for the next couple of years with not being able to, like, fill out your roster with, with good players, right, because you've got the $21 million cap hit. You, you don't have that, like, the assets coming in. You don't have the, the high draft pick that you can come and develop. Well, my yeah. thing is, it how makes could... me wonder. Like, they're going to have to make a really bold move for a quarterback in the next year or two. Well, who's going to who's going to be the heir apparent? Right. I mean, they have to have somebody. Like, that's the big thing that has to happen for them. And who's going to? Who are they going to throw to? Juju, but he's a and slot who... receiver, and he's much more effective in the slot than. He but is what bold move do they have to play for besides signing someone for a ludicrous amount of money in free agency? Like, someone will come to be a Steelers quarterback, but they don't have any other options. Like, they're not going to be a top. They're not going to be that bad. They've got enough of a base that they're not going to be in the top 10 in the draft, probably. Well, I said, I texted this to Michael the other day. I think the Steelers, like, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt week one, week two, week three of the season. They're in contention for one of the top picks in the in the draft in 2020. If Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, yeah. Like, if they're rolling out Josh Dobbs or – the hairless, Mason the hairless wonder. Mason Rudolph, who they drafted last He's year. He's got an actual disorder. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if, but but if they're not rolling out Big Bennett quarterback, if if they're relying on James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster to win them games, that defense isn't that good. They're they're missing a lot of talent in the middle. The Secondary is not. I'm good. I'm sorry. I don't even know if Big Ben being in there or not matters. I don't know that Big Ben like really himself is that much of a difference maker at this point in his career. I haven't seen enough in the last couple seasons that would. Well, where do you think they finished in the I division? No, I right disagree. Now, I right disagree. now, like assuming Third. everybody's healthy and it Third. rules. I Behind. think it's pretty clear. It's either us or the Steelers or the Ravens will win the division. And then it's the Steelers and then the Bengals. Why do but you have so the, much confidence in the Ravens? Yeah, what is the Ravens' defense? The only thing no, that they have a lot of depth. They have like talent across their entire team. I like the Ravens' depth on defense, actually, and I think their their are, defense is going to keep them in it. Who are the Ravens? There's no Terrell Suggs. There's no Terrell Suggs anymore, and Zedarius Smith no is on the market. Smith anymore. There's no C.J. Mosley anymore. There's, There's no, no Eric, Eric Weddle, Weddle anymore. There's no Terrell but Suggs Mosley, anymore. The C.J. Mosley might be back. It seems like C.J. Mosley is trying to squeeze the most out of the Ravens. That's like what this is looking like to me. I don't know why he hasn't signed yet. I think he's trying to get the most out of the Ravens, and he's going to go back and play for the Ravens. Unfortunately. Maybe, but fine. I'll let, I'll let you sign C.J. Mosley for $16 million a No, year. my biggest question on the Ravens is what they're going to do with their offense because they basically put a gimmick together to – like. To patch together the rest of the season last year, and it's just not sustainable for Lamar Jackson to run it that much. And who's catching passes for them? I mean, they've got Willie Sneed, I think, is their their top returning receiver. Yeah, their their pass catching talent's poor. They've got a whole slew of tight ends though. Boyle, but whole slew Boyle's of tight ends coming back. Boyle, Hayden Hurst, they drafted another one. What's his face in the third round last year? But I just don't think Michael. I don't think that you can lose that much talent on defense that much talent on defense and not take a significant, a huge step backwards. Well, first off, those guys haven't signed anywhere yet, so it's hard to know exactly who's gone, right? So, so like, Zadarius Smith hasn't. 
and CJ Mosley has it. CJ Mosley has but it. But Weddle and Suggs are both gone. It looks like Suggs is going to Arizona, yes. Um, but if so they don't we'll re-sign Zadarius Smith, then they don't have a pass rusher. Is Upshaw still there, or did he move on? Not that he was any good, but... No, he hasn't been there for a little while, I think. I don't think he played for them last year. Like, they have no one to replace him. Um, I, th- I think there is a chance that they still re-sign C.J. Mosley, and Mosley wants to stay. coming together. I mean, like, it is perfect. <laughs> it's legitimately perfect. the, the Bengals perfect. are a joke. I mean, the Bengals, the only thing notable the Bengals did with, today was just laughable. Re-signing Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. For $7 million a year. My favorite tweet that I saw today after that came out was for $7 million a year. I don't know if that's what you, is that what you just said. It's three years, $21 million. Yeah. The favorite thing. Bobby Hart was the weak link of the tackle combo of Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart on the Giants. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> I mean, like, if that doesn't tell you about, like, his level of talent, I don't know what does. And I, if you're if you're Eric Flowers' agent right now, you're like, yes. <laughs> I think it it makes me feel fantastic about the Greg Robinson deal. Yeah. I mean, we signed him on a one-year deal, which normally means you're paying a little extra just to keep it short-term. And we signed him for $7 million up to $9 million based on, like, bonuses. Did you see the structure of that today? Some more detail got released on that. Some of it has to do with his weight it's and like stuff like weight, that. It's like weight. It's being on the roster. It, it, it looks like a deal that's probably going to be $9 million. Good. Which is fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd still no, fine but with it. I'll pay nine million dollars for what Greg Robinson did for us last year over Bobby Hart at seven million, like oh, heck, <laughs> ten yeah. times out of ten. So no, uh, what else did the Bengals do? They they signed Uzma. Yeah, CJ Uzma or however you say his last name for a decent chunk of change. It's like six million a year. Yeah, they lost Tyler Croft today to the Bills. Because the Bills are signing like all of the players, like second, like all third tier free agents, players, but yeah. on the first day where you got to pay them a lot. Uzma's deal was three years, eighteen million, so six units. Um, so to reiterate, I think what I already said, I'm pretty happy that the Browns haven't actually made a splash and done anything today. There is not a single deal that has come across the board, with one exception. The Malik Jackson three years for thirty million to the Eagles. I would have taken that deal in Cleveland and been happy to plug him next to Larry Ogunjobi. I think that's a good value for what Malik Jackson brings. That's appropriate. He was making about fourteen million a year for the Jags, which was too much. But ten million a year for him—that's that's the sweet spot. I would have taken that deal. But with that as the lone exception, there's not a single deal that was signed today that I would say. Darn it, I wish the Browns would have taken that. I, it's all overinflated. I'd so much rather play on Tier 2 and Tier 3 of the free agency options to fill some depth and then focus on the draft. I just don't – I think long-term, we've got the top-tier talent that we need on our team, and we can plug in some holes and create some depth elsewhere, but we don't need to be spending – one and a half times a player's value just because. And you don't see any of the other winning teams spending that kind of money on day one of free agency So there's, there's no other free agency deals that you would have taken 
My question is, obviously this was off the table because the Steelers weren't going to trade into the division. Would you have taken the Antonio Brown deal? Trade a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown and then re-sign him to the deal that the the Raiders signed him to? Yes. I think I would have too. Yeah. It's only a three-year deal. Like, it's the right like length of time. If I'm a Raiders fan, I I feel great about that deal, right? Oh, for what you had to give up? For Antonio Brown, yes. The fa- the funny thing is, is I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference because I don't think the Raiders are going to be any good. But it'll all depend on how these three first round picks play. But they like if the, they hit on those. But the Raiders got a first round pick for Amari Cooper, and then they traded. Which F- getting a first round pick for Amari Cooper was kind of a coup, right? Like everybody was. Surprised that the Cowboys yeah. were willing to give up. But being able to then get rid of Amari Cooper and sign Antonio Brown and basically trade Amari Cooper a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown and a first. Yeah. Thinking like, about those just th- ridiculous. Thinking about yeah. those things in junction that Amari Cooper got traded yeah. for a first round pick and Antonio Brown got traded for a third and a fifth. It's incomparable how hosed the Steelers got. Well, because what's Amari Cooper getting this year? Like fifteen million dollars a year on his fifth year option? It's something crazy. Yeah, like three million less than what they just signed Antonio Brown for. Yeah. And he's gonna make Antonio Brown type money. Yeah. I think so. And he's nowhere near as good. It's a it's a joy to see the Steelers struggling. And honestly, Antonio Brown is my new hero. I like that guy a lot now yeah. for what he did to the Steelers. I think the Browns... <laughs> it brings the- me great joy. <laughs> as a Browns fan or as like a football fan? Because what he did to just kind of call his shot is... Oh, no, as a Browns fan, for sure. He's a huge douche. I have douche. mixed feelings about... No, he's a huge douche, no doubt. But as a Browns fan, I have nothing but respect and admiration for him. The fact that he just like wrecked the Steelers is amazing. Oh, it's great for us. So the Browns, um, there's been a couple of names that have been linked to the Browns in free agency that we did not sign today, but have consistently been brought up as potential options for new players for the Browns to be signed in free agency. There's C.J. Mosley. Um, continually, Bradley Roby's name has been brought up, looking for another cornerback. And then Tyrell Williams. What do you guys think about those three options? Which ones would you be excited about? Which ones would you not? For the money that keeps getting thrown around for each of those players, I think I'd say pass, pass, and hard pass. Yeah, I'm not super pumped about any of them. Um, with it's And it's kind of the same situation for Williams and Mosley, that just the value for the money probably isn't going to be there. Right, Mosley's going to be the is the top linebacker available in free agency. He's going to command a top level deal. Probably be the highest paid linebacker or middle linebacker in the league. Tyrell Williams is the best wide receiver free agent available. That doesn't mean that he's <clears throat> a wide receiver that's worth like top wide receiver money, but he's probably going to get it just because timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bradley Roby. I just don't know about – I mean, he's an Ohio State guy, so everybody in the Browns will want him. <laughs> um, he hasn't been bad, hasn't really lived up to expectation. Like, the fact is, if you're a cornerback and you hit the free agent market, like, it's there's a something weak, wrong with you. It's a weak 
corner market in free agency, and he's the top guy. So that inevitably means cool. his his value is going to go like t- through the roof. It's the same thing with Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Oh, it's the exact same, same thing. You're exactly right. Tyrell Williams for like seven or eight million dollars a year, I can get behind. But it sounds like he's going to be north of twelve. So how much, no, thank you. How much did Robinson get last year from the Bears? Like this is what I was thinking all today. Like. How much happier would I have been if we had just like thrown that money at Robinson last year? I mean, I know they're completely different wide receivers, I'm, but I'm thinking it was around twelve million dollars a year off the top of my head, but I'll look it up. But there's these I feel like teams go in, we you have a year by year approach, and if you take just like a slightly bigger picture approach and get the value in free agency, depending on which positions have depth. And, and whatnot, you end up getting. All right, so I was wrong. He got like was 15 four, a year. 14 a year. Okay. Three years, 42 million. But still, the, Williams might come out at like 13 a year, which would be insane. Yeah. No, he's. But I think what people, to, you know, the, whoever, whichever team signs him, this is what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, but he's a big body receiver. He's a deep threat. He's never been featured in an offense. He's never, like, been given the amount of, like, targets that he deserves. And look at what he's done with the targets that he's actually been given. And they're going to justify it. Cool. I just hope it's not our fan base that's having to justify it. I don't think he's worth it. I, I'd rather get another guy that can beat somebody deep, like Chris Conley. I really would love the Browns to go after Chris Conley. He's like that second, third-tier wide receiver on the free agent market. He crushed the combine. He was one – he's, like, done decently well – in Kansas City, but hasn't gotten all that many touches. He's, he's always been like the third option. Yeah. I bet you, you can sign him for so a third the money that you signed Terry Roy Williams for. Bring him in here and make him the second option. And Dorsey's the one that drafted him. He's going to like him. What do, you, what do you think you could get Chris Conley for? I would love Chris Conley for $4 million a year. That would be an absolute coup, in my opinion. No, I think that'd be a steal. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think you'll probably have to pay a little bit more than that but like a, a four-year like 22 million dollar deal yeah like wouldn't be crazy no let's do it guarantees on the front end and i'm on board salary increases on the back end you end up keeping him for two three years all right so here's a question for you people have been linking cj mosley to the browns consistently over and over and over again i think that i would rather have jordan hicks i do i would too i i think that he'd be cheaper because i think but I think that he's actually he's better in pass protection than C.J. Mosley is. Pass coverage. Pass coverage. Yes. Um, than C- pass protection. He's he a great be, pass. He can play both sides. Protection. Let's put him in there for Corbett at, at guard. <laughs> really, jack of all trades, getting value. <laughs> That's how you maximize value, right there. Um, I think I would rather have Jordan Hicks. I don't disagree with you. If he's going to be cheaper, I think that he fits the modern NFL better than C.J. Mosley does. C.J. Mosley's a great run stopper, and we do need run-stopping help, but I don't think that that's as important of an asset. Okay, so let's say... The knock is that Jordan Hicks is a lot like Joe Schobert, I think. The skill sets are substantially similar. Yeah, Joe Schobert's great, though. But he's a little bit better in pass coverage. But he's a little bit better... I think in today's NFL, yeah. Maybe. I think I'd rather play Joe Schobert in the middle and then have Hicks be more of your pass coverage linebacker 
and we're play playing, the weak we're side. We're playing nickel all, like 70% of the time anyway. That's what so everybody like, has to, right? I, I know, but I'm saying like middle, like off, like playing two linebackers like most Well, of that's time. what I'm so, saying. So, so have two linebackers in there that are the two best pass coverage linebackers in the NFL. No, I, I love it. No, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I think Hicks is a better pair for um, Schobert than um, than CJ Mosley would be. Here's my – I'm starting to get nervous today. Seeing, today has actually just increased my anxiety about the future of the Browns because of how many guys we actually have coming up next year that are going to be owed money and, like, who we're going to decide to pay and who we're not going to decide to pay. Like, Schobert, Demarius, Randall. actually having, like, good players. Yeah. That you have to make decisions about. There's guys like that decisions are going to have to be made upon. Yeah. Whole new territory. Do you know how like everyone's going to just go nuts whenever we let somebody walk? Like Demarius Uh, Randall. Like Like Demarius Randall, if like we decide to just not pay him and, you know, get somebody else as a free safety. I think that's going to happen. It wouldn't shock me at all. I think he plays out the fifth year option and he walks. I wouldn't be shocked. That I mean, of those guys. If you look at our roster construction, like we have Peppers for an additional two years after yeah. Randall walks. We've got like our corners locked in. Like it just, it's, we've got the the structure around it to be able to plug I, in another free safety if and you're feel gonna, pretty good about it. I think it's going to come down to, do you want to pay Demarius Randall or do you want to pay Joe Schobert? Joe. It's going to be those two guys. That's what, You're not going to pay them both. Yeah. But that's a decision that's going to be have to have to be made in the middle or of the season or next off season. But those decisions are starting to make me a little bit nervous that they're like on the horizon. The thing that's about like we have to be able to trust that our coaching staff is going to be able to be the reason why the Patriots have been perennial powerhouses is solely because of the coaching staff. Well, We're not going to be able to rely on talent alone. Well, once, and the, and Belichick like, acting as the GM, and yes, like he's the, like a freaking Trent, machine. The, the Trent Brown whole thing like exemplifies that. They've got Dante Scarnecchia like coaching their offensive line, who is just like the freaking a wizard. Who was who was like the Greek dude who Midas like touched everything and, and it, it turns turned to, to gold. gold. Yeah, it's like they trade for. Trent Brown and get him for what they gave up. The fifth. They gave up a third. No, they gave up a third. They got Brown and a fifth in return. Right? They they coach him up. He plays left tackle for them. They he plays great. They win the Super Bowl and then he leaves and they're going to get a third round pick as a comp pick. Back (laughs) back to back years. (laughs) Back to back years. No, no, listen to this. Ridiculous. Back to back years. No value that, lost. <laughs> no value gained. Super Bowl. <laughs> value gained in the transaction process. Like it's just stupid. And it's back to back years that they have so let their starting it. left tackle walk and received a third round comp pick in return because they have ridiculous coaching. Yeah, Scarnecchia. All right, can we talk about this? Oh, <clears throat> so. The Raiders obviously had a big day today, or this week. They, well, they, I think they Antonio traded. Brown was a big day. I don't know if I would call it a big day to sign Trent Brown to well, that deal. Sure, they they he's signed, a big man. They traded for Antonio Brown. They signed Trent 
Brown. Trent Brown. A yeah. lot of Browns, yeah. right? Uh, did you see the report that they were in line for Le'Veon Bell, but they don't think the deal's going to go through because they don't have enough cash? Yeah, I it's, saw that. It's, it's not a salary cap issue. It's literally like a cash, you know, flow. A cash flow issue, an ability to actually put up the money <laughs> to sign the player, which I've never heard of in the NFL, but it's such like a... A humbling reality yes, that, that, like, is, that is actually a problem that could be considered. Yeah, that is so funny. Well, think about that's Oklahoma. hilarious. No, okay, if since I so I think about these things sometimes, but it is a legitimate situation. If you think about Oakland and what's going on there, right? They like it's these, the John Gruden situation. They're paying ten million cash to John Gruden every year. I think there's a lot of coaches that are making close to ten million a year. So that's might be part of it, but their fan base and the deal that they have for their current stadium is a significant piece of it. It's a huge reason why they're going to LA. They're going to make more money by going to LA with all of everything. And those sort of off the field, like pieces and business aspects are not apples to apples from one team to the next. And the fan bases are not as solid from one team to the next. Like the amount of like apparel and things like that that get sold and that the teams like make money from. Like all of these things like add up to cash that are that's on hand. And owners come from various backgrounds. Well, and, and you have to think like some Davis's. of them have have their own wealth that where it doesn't matter that much if they have to dip into their own pockets to spend a few extra million for to pay somebody, but. That is not true for the Raiders. Mark Davis does not is not independently wealthy. He he's, inherited he's a team from his dad. It's the team is what he owns. Yeah. I just looked it up. Mark Davis's net worth is five hundred million dollars. The Raiders are worth more than five hundred million dollars. Correct. I would sell that team so fast. Oh my goodness. So that is <sighs> such an interesting situation. Imagine having to to negotiate contracts and structure that around, all right, so we legitimately cannot pay you now? Wait until well, the that new was, league year all starts. Right, wait, wait, wait. I want to stop for a second. If you guys have never Googled a picture of Mark Davis, <laughs> if you... <laughs> if, if you are... Michael's dying over here. If if you are a listener and you have never just typed Mark Davis into Google Images and taken a look at that. (laughs) That man. That man's haircut. The the fourth the fourth picture. He looks like freaking Simple Jack from (laughs) Tropic Thunder as far as his haircut is concerned. And it is the funniest thing. Whenever I was at the Super Bowl with Matthew, we saw him walking by, and it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life because his hair looks just like that. He's trying to simulate a hairline. Um, (laughs) He looks like a cartoon character, but he's a real human being. (laughs) It's a guy who's never been told no in his life. No one's ever been taken the care to tell him not to cut his hair that way. It is one of the most atrocious things I've ever seen. And this guy. <laughs> Me, Michael, and Matthew get a good laugh about that every time. Anytime anyone's having a bad day, picture of Mark Davis. <laughs> it's it's the <laughs> it's the perfect cure for a bad day. <sighs> so funny.
So funny. If you are if you are not driving, you should take the time to look that up right now. Just type in Mark Davis. Oh, and he's, he's also becoming like his dad. Like you know how his dad just kind of had that like crusty like corpse face for yes. like the last like twenty five years of his life. Well described. Yeah. I mean. Like... <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. He's he's developing the crusty corpse face. I mean, it's not good. It's not good for oh, sure. Oh, Mark Davis. Oh, man. Oh, we share the Take same name. $500 million and run. I hope Mark Davis spends the fourth pick. It's the fourth pick they have, right? Yeah. On DK, DK Metcalf. Yeah. That would be in, par for the course. In his father's honor. Yeah. Although, did you see DK Metcalf had the fastest 10-yard split of anybody at yeah. the Combine? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is not what I expected. I expected him to just like gain speed over time. Especially being, because being the strong cone. steroids user that he is, because his three cone wasn't great, and I know he slipped. Like so, you would think the agility cone. would be the problem. Like, like I felt like he was like good, like straight line speed, like big, strong, whatever. Dude's quick, runs terrible routes, and he like needs to learn how to be a wide receiver. But yeah, he's going to the Bills. Bills are the Raiders. That sure. seems to be the clear. I mean, you said it on the last pod. He is the wide receiver version of Josh Allen. Of Josh Allen. It's hilarious. It's just fantastic. Um, all right. So the Browns also did a couple other things. Um, there's not been a tremendous amount of Browns news today, but there has been in the past couple of weeks. So since our last pod, we dropped Jamie Collins. It was a long time coming, but feel that if you're listening to the podcast and you're a Browns fan, you need to know it's official. We dropped Jamie Collins trying to get out of his contract. Matthew, what do you think about that? I know you knew that it was coming, but what do you think the reasons are? Um, Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We knew it was coming. Everybody knew knew it was coming. Um, I think it's a good thing for the Browns. It's obviously a bad thing for Jamie Collins. (laughs) That's not, not really the, the angle we're taking on this. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about that, Matthew. He wasn't living up to his deal. Like, we, we traded for him two and a half seasons ago. Um, what was it? The middle of the 2016 season, 2017 season. Yeah. Um, right before the trade deadline. He, buyer beware. Like, don't sign free agents out of New England and don't trade for players New England's willing to give up because they never performed to the level that they did while they were there. It's the same with coaches, right? There's there's only one situation where that's happened. What's his face in Arizona? Chandler Jones? Chandler Jones is the only like good player to leave New England. Yeah, and he's still good. Yeah. But Jamie Collins didn't live up to his deal like contract. We we traded for him. He was at the end of his rookie deal. We extended him to a, a top-level linebacker deal. And he wasn't playing like that. He wasn't – he was a fine linebacker. Like, he wasn't a liability. But if you're paying a guy $12 million a year, you've got to be making game-changing plays. And Jamie Collins just didn't do that in the two and a half years he was here in Cleveland. No, but good job, Sashi Brown, for structuring that contract where we hardly have any dead cap. Yeah, we can get out of it in two years. It was all weighted towards the first two years, and he had to live up to it in order to stick around and – Sure enough, wasn't worth it. Cut bait and move on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like broken up that we moved on from Jimmy Collins. 
we've we've got kind of a void at linebacker just as far I would have loved to him bodies. to live up to that contract like yeah. honestly would have loved for him to play up to it and for us to keep him but he wasn't playing yeah. to it and it made sense to move on so I would gladly pay a game changing linebacker 12 million dollars a year to go like be a just general menace on the field but he wasn't able to do it so we moved on and now we got to figure it out maybe we'll backfill with CJ Mosley at 60 million dollars a year no just like no. hate this a couple no. of years down the road no i i said on our podcast about free agency one or two episodes ago that i was willing to take the Jamie Collins contract and uh give it to CJ Mosley but we're talking about CJ Mosley making like four or five million dollars more per year than Jamie Collins, and that is not something I'm okay with. Yeah, but to be clear, I want to backtrack off of like I was claiming him as someone I wanted to target, and now that we're talking north of sixteen million dollars for CJ Mosley, it is no longer an interest for me. But here's what's interesting: if if we start to aggregate these these moves, would you rather have Jamie Collins and Zeitler? Or Austin Corbett and Olivier Vernon and whoever else we could fill on that like six to eight million dollars of cap space that is still available. That's how you have to think about it. I, I mean, I would rather be in the position that we're in. I think. Yeah. Right, which would still mean like no on C.J. Mosley. Right. Yeah. You got to go to the bargain bargain bin a little bit more, which is what I'm happy about this go, go sign this i'm still i still want muhammad wilkerson come well, in he was on a one-year five million dollar deal last year bring so him, bring him in on a, a similar deal maybe maybe a little cheaper play I, three tech prove it come on i have no clue what he did the last couple of years but some i was listening to a podcast with some people that i respect and they were like just crapping all over muhammad wilkerson like saying that he's basically done and I just don't know what he has. Well, or he hardly done played last year because he got hurt. So yeah, no, I'd like Sheldon Richardson. He's going to be like a ten million a year guy. Okay, eight million a year guy. That sounds good. We need that. We need like a playmaker at that position. Let's take him and a draft pick. But he's a piece of work. I don't, like, like, John like, Dorsey like, doesn't like, care. No, 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 like, is he so the guy he you want to introduce? No, no, no. no. He was, but like, what have you heard of Sheldon Richardson being a troublemaker in the last two or three seasons? Nothing. He hasn't been able to because he's been on one-year deals. Well, all right, let's sign him to a one-year deal. That's fine with me. I'm perfectly okay with that situation. Yeah, didn't he play like a one-year eight million dollar deal or something like that for the Vikings last yeah. year? Yeah. It was something like that. Here I'm pulling it up. Yeah, amen. Man, sometimes the no, that would be st- good. Of the remaining defensive tackles, honestly, like Sheldon Richardson is the guy that I would want. I mean, Indomitian Sue's on that list, but he's saying he wants to stay on the West Coast, and so I guess that means no Cleveland. And notoriously out of out of Nebraska, Indomitian Sue. Wow, that's- that guy. Well, and I think he put in enough years in Detroit, and he just doesn't want to relive that situation, I guess. I don't really know. Yeah, Detroit and Cleveland are pretty similar, so I can imagine that he wouldn't be too keen on the idea. Yeah, I guess I guess when you've spent time in Nebraska and then Detroit, and then you finally see, like, the sunshine for the first time. Yes. You're like, you know what? I'll stay over here. Yeah, this is pretty nice. I guess he was I, in Miami for a while. So, like, yeah. 
So why why the West Coast? Okay, so is it, there's good East Coast cities too. On and Dominican. I mean, West Coast cities are better than East Coast cities. Like if I'm gonna be living in Jacksonville, Miami, or LA, I'm choosing LA every time. Boston, like there's some. I don't know. Well, that's no. a that's a completely different situation. No, this is but East you Coast. You don't actually want to go to play for the Patriots. Like everything that everybody says about playing for the Patriots is that it like kind of sucks, but you win. Okay, so I have a legitimate question. <laughs> I I'm interested in this decision that the Rams made. So they're moving on from Indomitian Sue. They did sign they they did sign Eric Weddle for a little more money for decent money. They basically swapped him out for Lamarcus Joyner, so that's probably a wash. But they signed Dante Fowler. Did you see how much money they signed Dante Fowler for? A one, one year, year fourteen million. million. That's a lot. Makes so me that, feel better about the Olivier Vernon deal. Well, there's that, but then also like they basically are picking Dante Fowler over Indomitian Sue. He's younger. But it's only a one-year deal. What does it matter? It's a one-year deal. You're looking at 2019 season. But they've also got Michael Brocker. Like, they've got depth at defensive tackle that they don't have at edge rush. Like, even in the playoffs down the stretch, like, they were playing Sue as a DN a lot of times to get get their four best player, like, D linemen on the field. I just find it interesting that they're giving Fowler that much money. No, and I mean, I wouldn't feel Sue comfortable walk. giving Fowler that much money. Um, it makes me feel a heck of a lot better paying having Olivier Vernon on $15 million a year because I think Vernon's a, a better rounded player than Fowler is. I mean, you can feel all right with giving just about anybody that much money for a one-year deal, but but that's what the, that, that's what the Rams are operating on. They're operating on these one... The, they're operating on these one-year deals that are just continuing, and they're I like, love how the Rams if, are just fly this, by night. Yeah, just like, like if this figure it out. <laughs> if this is in our window, then like all of a sudden we're going to be screwed. Oh no, it's smart because then you can pivot whenever you need to. I love it. I love it. But the one-year fourteen million is just about what the Colts are paying uh, Devin Funches. Oof. One year, thirteen million dollars, which is like good for them. They don't have a long-term commitment to that, but jeez. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's gross. That's yeah. yucky. Um, all right, so another thing that the Browns did was we dropped Darren Fells. Um, Michael, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this. We anticipated the Jamie Collins situation, that he wasn't going to be sticking around forever. But Darren Fells is one of Dorsey's guys. He, I do have We decided to move on. I don't know why we did this. I loved Darren Fell signing last offseason. I thought he did a great job blocking. When he was asked to catch passes, he did. He caught 10 had over the whole good, season. Good catches. He had like some good catches. In traffic, like over the middle. Three of his 10 catches on the season went for touchdowns. Like I just felt like he was the f- perfect foil to David Njoku. I don't really understand why. And he wasn't super expensive. Like He was three or four million dollars like i felt like he was appropriately valued he filled a need that we had on our team he's a high character guy by all accounts good size didn't miss any games i'm just kind of confused because we don't have need the cap space yeah we didn't need the cap space we don't have a blocking tight end on our roster now and so i get the impression that this move was not made in a vacuum. 
you know, this move was made with a corresponding move at the tight end position in mind. In some ways, I hope this is a result of the new offensive coaching staff coming in, taking a look at the roster and saying, why in the world did Seth DeValve not play at all last year? Like, maybe that's it. Yeah, and we, we want to have Seth DeValve on the field, which makes a ton of sense. So let's do that. Okay, that would be a positive thing. But still, we need another tight end on the roster that can block. And to me, that's Darren Fells. So I don't, I still don't get it. And I expect them to either sign a free agent or draft somebody to do some of that. But when you draft the tight end, they're normally not running right out of college and contributing at a high level for your team. TJ Hawkinson can block. He can block, but if you, you just ask him to block, that's fine. But tight end is probably the steepest learning curve of any position in the NFL due to the like variety of roles and responsibilities that they have on the field. Crazy idea. Former Bengals tackle Jake Fisher is apparently trying to Cut it in the NFL as a as a blocking tight end. That would qualify as a blocking tight end. <laughs> Great one. <laughs> he, he he came to college as a tight end and then yeah. like upgraded to tackle basically, and now he's and now he's like, yeah, I'm not that good at that. So we're gonna drop back up. I I hope the best for him. But to your point, Michael, if at the beginning of this free agency, like this period, and you said we're gonna release a tight end, I would have said it would be set set the valve over. It just doesn't make sense to me, and it screams that there's something else in the works, and we just don't know what that is yet. So I'm withholding my full... Could it be a scheme thing? I think so. Like, do we think that with Monken coming in with what Freddy would normally run if left to his own devices, there isn't a huge need for a blocking... Like a... I, I hate to classify Darren Fells as exclusively a blocking tight end because he did make some good catches for us, but that's kind of what he's known for. He's not yep. really a pass-catching threat. Yep. Is there just not a need for a guy to make $3 million on your roster that's doing something that you're not going to utilize? But we're still taking like a million and a half dead cap hit on him because we signed him to a three-year deal last year. I, I, What you're suggesting is my suspicion is that they're taking a full assessment at the roster, given the coaching staff and the direction we want to take the team, and he was someone that didn't seem to fit and have a role. It still surprises me because it wasn't a significant expenditure to keep him around. But whatever. It's fine. It's not a huge loss. Maybe now we can bring back Orson Charles. So. (laughs) I will say this. Oh boy! <laughs> I will say, and I tweeted this out. The silver lining. Well, Orson's out of a job because Hugh doesn't have a job. So as long as Hugh's out of a job, Orson doesn't. This is a good thing to keep a look at. Hugh Jackson. What's he going to do with himself this next year? I, I, I don't my, care. My money is him being an XFL head coach. Oh, he's perfect because he won't be able to say no. Someone offers him a job, and oh, like, he'll be says, all over "Oh, it. you would be the best." Hugh, we we gotta have you. No, he might. He He's going to be an XFL head coach, like alongside Bob Stoops and who are the other like guys who are doing that. Yeah, man, it's going to be perfect. I can't wait. Oh yeah, it's worst team in the league. Uh, I will say XFL too. I will say. Do I'm, wait. Do you guys feel bad for him yet? No, and AJ McCarron's going to be his starting quarterback. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Michael's been doing this wheezing laugh thing all day. AJ McCarron and Hugh Jackson. That's a, that's a whole team right there. No, it's perfect. It's like the Orson Charles. Just uh, there's a story the there for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll, okay. root for, I'll root for that team just out of spite. The point. <laughs> oh jeez, the point I was gonna make on the Darren Fells deal. I will say I did really like seeing the Browns front office, John Dorsey in particular, dropping a guy that he signed. Because you see these new front offices come in all the time, and they get rid of the old players, and they keep their guys. He signed Darren Fels, and it really wasn't an onerous deal. But he made a decision based on the information that he had to move on from him. And that says something to me about the process that's going on inside the building, and that it's not an ego-driven situation and that he's looking at the whole of the team and making decisions based on that. And so that that gives me some positive feelings about our future and the decisions that will be made. And I only feel better about that after this first day of free agency, too, because he's not yep. jumping at the first thing that falls in front of him. Absolutely. Anything that shows that John Dorsey has paused to spend a significant amount of money and anything that shows that he's willing to let go of the guys that he signed is a positive thing for the Browns. I wonder how much cuz we I mean we still have Paul De Podesta in the building, right? So with a direct line to the owner how much influence does he have in kind of influencing that direction of, so I know here is your initial reaction, Mm -hmm. but maybe the best course of action is not to just react to what you want and just respond to that instinct. I hope that everyone in the building has that sort of mentality, but yes. Yes. (laughs) No, I would love to know those dynamics because we know that Podesta, De Podesta has a significant voice, but specifically with regards to roster decisions, like how how strong is his voice? I I doubt that he is talking about specific players and saying I like this player over this player. Sure, I th- I think it's more, hey, you know, when you go sign players in the first day of free agency, it never works out. Like, what do you think about just not? Yeah. Wait until <laughs> yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. What do you think about just not doing what you're just planning on doing? General counsel. Yeah. No, that would be great. I love that. I think that's a good role for him. Yeah. No. I, I, I think I, that's positive I for the organization. Largely, as far as, like, roster influence, that's what he's doing. Just like Which is sh- a pretty straight sweet... Straight up, just don't do what you're planning on doing. It's a pretty sweet gig. It's a pretty. He's sitting pretty. That's what's going on right now. Yeah, except he's always the guy who's telling people to not do what they want to do. That which is, is true. kind of a crappy situation to be in. I know that feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you. We'll wrap it up with that. Um, gotta end this session sometime. If you are planning on shaving anytime soon, you should shave with Barbasol. If you visit Barbasol.com and join the Barbasol Shave Club, you can get a starter kit today. Use discount code BROWNS and get $2 off your initial shave kit order. 
Um, the new starter kit includes the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor with four cartridges that you can refill and store anywhere with a storage tray anytime. Um, it's got six ultra-thin blades and a seventh blade that's an ultra-thin trimmer that you can refine and style tricky areas like under the nose, sideburns, or beard. So if you're trying to keep those sideburns looking fresh, you need Barbasol. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you would, we'd really appreciate it if you'd follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Send us an email if you think there's something that we need to be talking about that we are not hitting. We would love to hear from you. And if you could, please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. If you like the podcast, if you listen to it, that would really mean a lot to us. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate all of our listeners that so faithfully listen in Tokyo. We appreciate you. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank mm-hmm. you.